1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: It's funny. Everybody, all they saw was black gloves arising. You know, from the from everybody. It
0: was like, what? It was a group of four people, and all they saw was black gloves. So, uh, I'm just glad you caught the ball.
2: You know, in basketball terminology, it's, that's what they call this. It. You know, when somebody get dunked on. But it was on three people. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was um. You know, they were they were in
1: position. It was just a better catch by I. DeAndre Hopkins with the best use of his hands since he was driving to work a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Seriously. Never mind that. Here we go. Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. What a day it was. Ten Sundays in the books. Yesterday's arguably the most exciting of the year. It's Pro Football Talk Live. Peacock live every weekday. Series XM 211, NBCSN, the Re-Air at 9 Eastern, Sky Sports NFL. Hello to our friends in the UK and Ireland enjoying the program there in prime time, and our podcast audience wherever, whenever, however. Good morning, Christopher. Have you ordered... Your Kyler
2: Murray jersey. I did. I did. Yes, I did. Thank you very much. Last night. I mean, of course, you know, you have to send a text message to remind me, like, hey, you better order that thing. They might get sold out, which I, I understand you might be right after, after yesterday. Like yeah. <laughs> You're right. I get it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the way he's basically just, you know, knocking off some of these MVP candidates and things like that. But, yes, I did. Tough decision whether to go to the red or the white. I figured it's winter time. I don't have a great tan. Let's go with the red. The white might wash me out too much. So I got a red Kyler Murray jersey coming for the Thursday show, baby. We had a wager last Thursday. It started off,
1: and I went back and watched the clip that whoever – and I never know on any given day who's running your Twitter account. I just always know it's not you. Whoever posted (laughs) the clip, uh, it initially said – you said – Whoever had more yards would right. be the winner. But then we changed it, thank God, to whoever won the game. Because Josh Allen, I believe, I was doing the rough yeah, math no, last night did. when the graphic was up. Yeah. He had more yards between rushing right. and, and passing. We changed it to who wins. Yeah. Plain and simple. So if Josh Allen and the Bills had won, I'd have had to buy a Josh Allen jersey. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals win. You get the Murray jersey and you get to wear it. Oops. And uh, and then uh, that's what's going to happen on Thursday. As the Arizona Cardinals get ready to play the Seattle yeah. Seahawks, they're right back at it again. Seriously. Part two of a classic from earlier this year is coming up on Thursday
2: night. But well, before we get to that, and just but, so go ahead, Joe, just so everybody knows too, like you know, just because you clarified, like we both like Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. Yes, it's just like yes. Kyler Murray's your guy. Josh Allen's been my guy. That's why you won the bet. And, I mean, come on. They're, they're two of the quarterbacks in football. They're as closest to a one-man ban as you can get. So, yeah, it comes down to wins. The yards thing, uh, I'd like to go back and say I, I, I meant that. But, no, I didn't. It's about the win, yeah. and that's cool. There you go. You jerk. Too late. I'm glad. Yeah, we agreed. I
1: made sure we had clarity. Right. The lawyer in me, the recovering lawyer in me, took over. I wanted to have clarity as to the rules so there was no misunderstanding, so nobody could, could try to pull something later and say, oh, by the way, it's the other thing. It was the win, and the Cardinals got it, and that was the game of the day. And it, it and it was something Peter King pointed out that I didn't even think of. You know, the the two big receiver traits from the offseason yeah. came together in that game, and right. both of those guys had major factors in the outcome. We thought, and, you know, peel back the curtain a little bit, we're doing a show on NBC while this is all unfolding, and we've got, I know at least I have, a monitor off to the side of, What's coming back to me, you know, you guys in the studio, and what's actually on the air? But I've got a monitor off here, and I'm like, you know, I'm constantly doing this, and uh, it it just was crazy, ridiculous. Back, like, wait, what just happened? Wait, yeah. and it felt like every three seconds, wait, what just happened? I mean, the the Bills drive down, the Stephon Diggs catch, great catch, falling to his left, diving to his left to make the catch. I mean, oh, that's it. I gotta, I better start ordering the Josh Allen jersey. And uh, Kyler Murray and company with that hail mary. You know he's never connected on a hail mary. He told me after the game at any level of football, not oh. that the opportunities come up all the right. time, that's and I think that saying. has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Also, when you when you're a quarterback who wins all the time, you rarely are in a position where you need a hail mary. Yeah, that's very true but, too. But but just amazing. He said as soon as he let it go, he knew it had a chance. He said you just have a feeling. He, and he was he said he was facing his teammates. You know, he as he launched it, the ball went up, and his body was facing the sideline yeah, right. he was running to the left sideline. And uh, uh, you know, I, I, I suspect he probably didn't see it get caught because you know he's short like me. And uh, DeAndre Hopkins jumps up and makes the catch. And it was DeAndre Hopkins isolated on one side, three others on the other side. And you just know, three guys, four guys, five guys. DeAndre Hopkins is going to have a better chance to make that catch than anyone who's
2: around him. No, well, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I totally believe him when he, when he says, like, you know, the ball left my hand. I knew it had a chance because when the ball leaves his hand, it's really Hopkins on two guys. And he probably, you know, as a quarterback, you have a feel to go, wait, I put that pretty close and I could see where I threw it and the position of that receiver that – hey, he might have a chance, and then added in the fact that you go, wait, that chance of that guy is also DeAndre Hopkins, which increases that chance, and it's where he's special. I mean, it really is. I mean, he's, got, he's like Spider-Man. You know, Tony Dungy said it on the show last night. It's some of the best hands in football or the best hands in football when it comes to strength and catching the ball in traffic, and we've seen that so many times throughout the year. So unbelievable play because not only throw, catch, great, I mean, really, most quarterbacks don't get out of the jam that Kyler Murray was in there to scramble to the left. I mean, just about everybody in football, maybe other than him and Lamar, go down there. Mario Addison did a pretty good job of containing him. And then he makes that throw, the great catch by DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it really was awesome. Uh, It was special. And it's just... You know, We watch two teams who have gone all in on their quarterbacks. They have basically said, you guys are our guys. We're going to put talent around you, and it's about you. And it just feels like neither one of those teams are ever dead because of those two quarterbacks, and especially Arizona with Kyler Murray. And he's moving to the left, and he's thrown back to
1: the right, and he rockets that thing. Just think how hard that is to get the ball up in the air after you do make that play to extend it, that athletic play. And I just had a vision of... The Cowboys and the Seahawks earlier this year. Remember when Dak was running to the left and he had to shake a guy and not yeah. fall down? Right. And Jerry Jones made that comment that we spent I don't know how many days deciphering. Is he dissing Dak here when he says that the you know the certain quarterbacks can recover from that and right. make the play? Right. Kyler had to recover from that. I mean, think about that. All out fire drill. Guy comes at you, you have to shake him and jump away from him and keep your footing and keep sprinting toward the sideline and fire that thing. And yes, knowing that DeAndre Hopkins is down there has to help with your overall confidence it's going to be connected. But you said, what, what, how hard it has to be to make that throw. Uh, you know, I we've seen Aaron Rodgers do it over and over again, I just wonder if in that same spot that's something Aaron Rodgers could have thrown like Kyler Murray. Did.
2: Well, yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm I more amazed by the first part of what you said. The fact that, hey, he moves to the left, and then it's, whoa. I mean, you got a guy who's got his arm on you and got a hand on the jersey, kind of gets pulled, but then can reaccelerate once again. And then as fast as he's moving to his left for a right-handed quarterback, you know, your momentum taking you that way, The body control is what's so amazing about Kyler Murray. His body control is on another level and to where he can just jump his feet, get in position as momentum's carrying him to the sidelines. And really, honestly, Mike, the throw, I mean, I bet you the throw, like as far as power's concerned, because of that there... It really lends itself to being able to throw the ball pretty far. I bet you he had to take a little off of it just to go, wait, I don't want to launch this out of the end zone or do anything like that. You know. So the other great part of it is to have the feel and the sense of, all right, wait, I'm, I got to throw this. I'm about to get hit, and I got to put this with the right trajectory and, of course, the right distance to where I let my guy have the best chance. And that's where... You know, he has an innate feel uh, all the time to do those type of things. And, yeah, that was just amazing, that aspect of it. It really was. Added to Mike, I would also like to say, I don't know what Buffalo was quite doing there. You know, we broke it down a little bit. And I, I just, there's no timeouts by Arizona. Let them throw the 20-yard crosser. The game's over. I mean, it's over if they throw that. But they decide to try to stop some of those, underneath routes, and that lead to a, led to a favorable matchup down the field for Hopkins. Well, I think also you want to keep some guys in position in the event
1: Kyler decides he's going to take off. A flashback to Tyreek Hill shredding through the Cowboys defense just before halftime yeah, right. a couple of years ago, right. where you think you've got to beat on him until you don't because he's Tyreek Hill. I think that at some level, maybe they were concerned about Kyler deciding to run right through them, and the next thing you know, he's running into the end zone for yet another rushing touchdown. Here's uh, Sean McDermott, coach of the Buffalo Bills, on what they could have done differently, if anything, to stop what happened yesterday afternoon.
0: Was there anything that you think could have been different other than the outcome of the play in how it was defended, or could you have done any better than that? Vic, I mean, yeah, of course. I, I mean, I mean what you, no. I honestly, I, Vic. Like, could I have done any better? Of course, I could have done better. You, I meant, I meant in terms of the. Okay, that, that's what I was. Yeah, I mean, there's always. That's that's why I said what I said, Vic. When I came in here, the very first question I said, "You're always as a coach. You always think about what we could could have done differently." Right. That's the very first thing I said. What what could I have done differently? What could we have done differently? Right. He asked the players the same questions. I'm, I'm. We got great guys in this locker room. They're saying the same thing. Knock the ball down. We can't be interception-minded in that situation. Knock the ball down. right? So at the end of the day, give them the credit. They made a special play.
1: How can you knock the ball down, though, when you never get a chance to put your hands on it because DeAndre Hopkins jumps up and grabs it before you can really do anything? That, that's the problem. You've got to deal with DeAndre Hopkins. I almost think that, that your standard approach to a Hail Mary – or a last play of the game, it has to be tailored week in and week out to who the opponent is, especially when DeAndre Hopkins is the guy who may be in the end zone. So, Chris, what could they, should they, would they have done differently if they had a chance to do it all over
2: again? Well, you know, we broke this down a little. First off, I mean, you don't see Sean McDermott like that very often. I mean, that just tells you how much that loss hurt. That really did. I mean that you know, that's a that's a horrible way to lose as a as a competitor. And I'm sure he is sitting there just going, you know, through his mind going, What could I have done differently the fourth quarter, let alone on that same play? But, you know, the the thing that I think look at more than anything, hey, the pass rush, the ability to try to contain Kyler Murray, it really wasn't that off. I mean, Kyler Murray's special. He got out of a jam. I don't it's not the first time, it won't be the last time. You know, at times with these type of defenses and like these plays, I, I I am a guy that goes. I'd like to see people bump the receivers so they can't just run down there and get set up. Right when you have free release, and Coach Dungey talked about this last night. There's nothing to disrupt you. So now DeAndre Hopkins can run down and find his way to go. Wait, here's a good spot. Let me post up. And as you see in this picture I mean Kyler is he setting up? Hopkins is down there. He's set up already too. And go back another frame or two, guys, if you can, with some of those pictures. Because the other interesting thing too, you know, and even the one before this, if you don't mind. But but this is my point, Mike, here. Look, I mean Wasted bodies. Look at all the wasted bodies. Look at all the the we got two guys at the twenty-six yard line worrying about a crosser. You know, we got other guys on the other side of the field carrying a slot receiver, everything like that. That to me is where, you know, hey, that's where he's going to look at this tape and go, ooh, I should have done this differently. Maybe I just let him get a 15-yard completion, and yeah, maybe they have one more play, you know, with one second left or something like that, but then I'll readjust and we can play this a little differently too instead of giving a guy like Hopkins, who we know is in that combo, right, Mike, for dunking on people, as he says, or mossing people. He's one of the best in the business, and... You know, the Tredavius White down there, poyer they're not real big guys, and he just went up over them and got it. Add another flashback to the Minneapolis miracle, the
1: defensive alignment by the Saints, yeah. the decisions made on what to take away and right. what to leave. It, it, it really is amazing how much chaos can unfold in that blink of an eye on a defense that, that maybe didn't factor in what all was actually going to happen in that moment. And between Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, you almost had to pick your poison. And I feel like they tried to pick a little bit of each and it wasn't nearly enough because they weren't able to get to Kyler behind the line and they weren't able to corral DeAndre Hopkins in the end zone. And, and, you know, why, like, it, it reminds me of the comment from former Titans defensive coordinator, DNP's last year when they faced the chiefs in the AFC championship sure. game. Why bother blitzing Ky- uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes? Uh, in that spot, why why bother sending four after Kyler Murray? It's not like it's going to make a damn bit of difference at the end of the day.
2: Well, I, you know they don't want them to. They don't want three because they're probably going wait. He'll buy time forever, and then who knows? He can compromise us that way to where they still want to have the pressure on him to go like, hey, yeah, he might get out of the pocket and make a move, but. He's not going to like sit there and now, reverse field and buy more time, and then throw some laser across the field to like an open receiver or something like that. So they want to force the issue a little bit. It's it's a tough but, but, one. But hang on. But hang yeah. on.
1: But yeah, that's a, for a hail mary. I, I think buying time shouldn't be an issue because. The, the benefit to the offense is getting the ball there, perfect timing before the defense is set up. Once everyone's down there set up waiting for I know. it, it becomes so much harder to complete it at that point. And by then the time's up. If he throws it short, you just go tackle the guy, right? There's no, there's no chance for another play if sure. he has extra yeah, time. Yeah, there's 11 I, that, seconds. That's, that, that, that's the problem. The, the, you know, the, this is where the whole thing short circuits when Kyler Murray's the quarterback and DeAndre Hopkins is the receiver. That's it. We've seen the Hail Mary play revolutionized yesterday. And as long as you have those two guys, good luck trying to stop
2: it. Yeah. Well, and they said, you know, they, they the, the idea wasn't wrong to like what you're, you know, what we're talking about. Cause you know, you've mentioned, I mean, the guy was there, he was there to make a play. It, it was the right thought. It's just. We've never seen a quarterback who can accelerate like this guy. It's just he's special that way, and he made a special play. I mean, we saw a ton of special plays by both of these quarterbacks this whole game. It was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, the ebbs and flows early on, you went, oh, Buffalo looks good. They're going to kind of control the game. And then we got into third quarter, and all of a sudden, uh, 12-yard punts start happening and interceptions by Buffalo. And then you get this feel of like, I don't think they can come back and beat the Cardinals. Arizona seems to have control. You know, then Josh Allen throws an interception with four minutes late, and you're going, all right, that should do it. You know, and three and out by Arizona, and they give him one more, you know, last gasp to go down the field, and, you know, Josh Allen makes some unbelievable throws. And, of course, the touchdown that you already mentioned to Stephon Diggs, that was phenomenal. I mean, the fact that we're not even going to talk about that because it got erased from the Hail Mary and everything, uh, that just shows you how amazing that play is. but. You know, that was a game that was a lot of fun to watch. It had a lot of ebbs and flows. The, ca- the quarterbacks are so fun to watch because so much of what they do is off schedule or, ooh, the defense has beat us, but they didn't beat me, and I'm going to keep this thing alive, and I'll make something happen. And uh, I think that's where you and I both are fans of both of these quarterbacks because it just always seems like there's excitement right around the corner. Along the way, there was that really bizarre attempt to make a
1: catch by Larry Fitzgerald, and the ball pops up in the air. Yeah. And the Bills intercept it, which killed a drive that would have given the, the Cardinals either three or seven more points. They were most in control, likely. right. And, it, yeah, that, that that's when it just felt like the Bills were going to get a chance to come back and try yeah. to steal it. And it continued to have more ebbs and flows. We'll do a full breakdown of that game tomorrow. It was It was a crazy weekend because – there were only 5 games in the early window. This was one of the late afternoon CBS games that started at 4:05 Eastern, so it was only broadcast to a regional audience. I don't know how many people saw it, right? Fox had the national doubleheader with the 4:25 p.m. Eastern game. The 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 these games that fell the Chargers Dolphins and the Bills' cardinals they they fell into this this hole of maybe you didn't see it unless you had red zone or sunday ticket and yeah. uh it's the kind of thing where if you have game pass the excellent feature by the nfl where you can go back and watch all the games it it makes it worth its money well, yeah. in just one weekend because there are several games you can want to go back and watch that you probably didn't get to see live
2: you well, the nfl is in the you know the process of a reassessment here where you know, guys like Josh Allen and Kyler Murray and Tua and Herbert will be the main showcase at 425, you know, as we go on through the football years here, because they're the stars of the sport right now. I know there's other ones too, but you know, this is the infancy stages of these guys to where, yeah, they're not on that marquee stage quite yet, but that was a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, It just shows the excitement of all these young quarterbacks we got in football right now. Man, there's a lot of talented ones who can make a lot of plays, and it it leads to a a lot of fun, fun games watching on TV. And one last point from that game, when I talked to
1: Kyler Murray last night after the game ended and pivoted to Thursday night when the Cardinals go to Seattle, which is going to be an awesome game. I kind of threw it out there open ended for him to say whatever he wanted, complain if he wanted. It's like why do we have to turn around so quick? You know, you hear you hear players all the time complain about Thursday night and you know, wouldn't you like to have a little more time to get ready for the Seahawks? He 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 I think he would have gone last night. Oh well he's like these are the these are the moments you live for. I don't care if it's Thursday night. Let's go do it. and
2: uh, He that shall be not be one. sucked in by Dr. Doom and his negative not thoughts on Sunday all, evening. All, all <laughs> I was very open-ended. I still have vivid recollection of Richard
1: Firm, uh, Sherman declaring to the world that Thursday night football is a poop fest. And <laughs> you know, the reality is, for every player that doesn't like it, there's a player that does like it because they like the short work week that isn't intense. They p- get the game in. And then they have the long break on the back end. So both teams are going to get that after Thursday night. The question is who wins? And that becomes more relevant because the Rams took down the Seahawks yesterday. You've got a three-way cluster now at the top of the NFC West. Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, all 6-3. and And the Rams got it done yesterday against Seattle by virtue of their defense. Here's Sean McVay, an offensive coach, for a change, giving a ton of credit to his defense
0: unbelievable job by our defense you know Darius Williams with two unbelievably big picks for us uh second half the one uh, after the turnover offensively to be able to get that play this guy shows up in a big way I thought Jalen Ramsey was outstanding throughout the course of the day didn't see a lot of action from some of the guys that he was over the top of and just our defense as a whole I mean you just can't say enough about what they've consistently done doing it against an offense that's arguably uh producing at the highest level in the league right now
1: Every time I see him talk now, Chris, I think modulation, <laughs> modulation, up and down, slow down speed. I'm, it's as you said; it's always front of the room teaching the team. That's what he's doing, and it's always right here. He's coaching. But, uh, reason to be excited yesterday, though, taking care of Russell Wilson and company. My God, so so much for the Russell Wilson MVP candidacy. He went from getting none of the votes ever to getting all of the votes to getting none of the votes again, the way things have gone. And the Rams defense has a lot of credit Rams defense shuts down. Wilson Jalen Ramsey shuts down DK Metcalf Metcalf getting frustrated yesterday. I think that's the first time we've ever seen that.
2: Yeah. Uh. But, but that that's what happens when Jalen Ramsey does his thing. That, that's why they, you pay Jalen Ramsey $20 million a year, you know, and that's why the Rams have star players. A little bit. It's games like yesterday. Their stars made plays throughout the game. Oh, Leonard Floyd, free agency, three sacks. You know, of course, Aaron Donald all around Russell Wilson. And then the ability to have guys that can match up against other stars. And that's where Jalen Ramsey came in handy. It's what we've been begging for, right? I mean, I know I've said it on the podcast. We saw it a little bit, you know, as far as before the bye week, they were starting to do Jalen Ramsey. Hey, you're on an island. You cover that guy. The rest of the defense, we're going to do something else. And they're special when they do that. They have a good formula as far as the personnel to stop Russell Wilson. And then when Seattle doesn't have Chris Carson or any of their running backs, it just becomes all too much Russell Wilson. He's got to do everything. And that, to me, is the biggest issue there, let alone we know the Seattle defense is still nothing special. I mean, they had their issues. But what we've seen really in all of Seattle's losses this year is, yeah, Russell makes mistakes. Because Russell has to make plays constantly to help them win football games, and you know, but wait, none- Chris, you yeah. can't, you
1: can't say when you what you yeah. can't praise DK Metcalf incessantly and then act like Russell Wilson has no help whatsoever.
2: Oh well, I'm just talking about it's always on him and the offense to make plays. It's always on the quarterback, but it's always on no the quarterback. other. Looked, Mike, what Mike, teams Mike teams other. Tom Brady's got a 190 yard rusher yesterday. Okay, you have to have running game how and how defense every week. He has the worst defense in the history of football, Mike. It's the worst in the I've, history of football. I think you're exaggerating. No, no. Bit. It's statistically the worst in the history of football right now. It's the worst. All right. So how is that? Counselor, will you rest your case now? Okay. No, I,
1: I'll, I just, no you just I, I tried to be like, a
2: jerk on a some Monday morning. No, and you wanted no, to throw was, that in there. Okay, was, great. Was, you lost he, your argument. Look, be quiet.
1: No. <laughs> can I Can I finish, please? Yes. I, 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 have, I have a Jiminy Cricket in my ear that is pushing back oh, on right. the notion That Russell Wilson is the greatest thing, as you like to say, since since sliced sliced bread. bread. That, That maybe, maybe Russell Wilson isn't, you know, sculpted by God to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Maybe there's a chance that there are flaws in his abilities and you know we've built this guy up under the notion that he's underrated it could be that after building him up and building him up and building him up and now to the point where it's less Ru- let Russ cook and it's all on him maybe he's overrated well, maybe I, we've pushed too far
2: i i i'm not gonna go too far with that no i i'm not you know i know 10
1: touchdowns and
2: 10 turnovers in in the last four games hey yeah and you know i i i understand it it's not great what would you say if your boy blue did that well i mean i don't know when my boy blue did it there was a there was a graph about it every three minutes and oh, that's all we talked about <laughs> in football that's all they talked about it. well josh allen threw two interceptions and they lost two games we got to talk about it because in in the draft they said he wasn't good and look now there's two games where he wasn't good I, I'm justified. I mean with Russell Wilson, you know, again, yeah, I, I, I'm not trying to give him a free pass, and I know Matt Casey's the biggest Russell Wilson hater in the world. Our producer, I'm of the doing show. the math. I'm doing <laughs> so. the math
1: just to see if there's some chance that Josh Allen's actually your son. I don't know a the, how the ages. Would no, work. it wouldn't. It wouldn't work. I have had very... got started real early. <laughs> you have a very strong affinity for Josh Allen, as you should. But it is funny. I no. like to I like to tweak <laughs> you a little bit there. But but Russell I mean, yes. uh, look, it could just be that when you have no other help, right? Well, it and 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 it starts off in this magical way where it's Russell, 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 and let Russ cook, and every defense that you're facing is hearing that and seeing that and breaking it down. And if that really is the strength of the team, at some point, NFL caliber defenses are going to come up with a way to frustrate it, to That's stymie right. it, and to expose it. And you're going to have to go to something else, and you don't have anything else to go to. You know, when you take away what you do best, right. you fall back to Plan B. Maybe Seattle doesn't have a plan B,
2: so they stick with plan A, even if plan A isn't working. Well, they've been able to get away with matchup football in a lot of these type of moments where, oh, okay, you know, hey, they want to put people down here to maybe stop Russell from throwing or anything like that. They've always been able to rely on, okay, at the end of the day, wait, you're one-on-one with DK Metcalf? We'll go, we'll go to that. And that's where it's an interesting matchup because Jalen Ramsey, he is – Probably, I I'm, I really think he is. He's the only corner in football, I think, that can physically stand in there with DK Metcalf, play after play after play. I mean, we saw Stephon Gilmore earlier in the year. He had issues with that. Jalen Ramsey did not yesterday. And then Jalen Ramsey, hey, come on! This is one of the this is one of the freakiest guys we've seen come in football the last ten years. He is unreal. So his top end speed can match DK Metcalf's too. And it's just it's again, you know, it's like we've talked about Lamar Jackson and any other people like every team has their kryptonite a little bit. And this Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks, their kryptonite is in L.A. And it wears yellow and blue. I mean, they've lost what, five out of the last six against this football team and the game they won. Zerline missed a pretty makeable field goal by his standards last year on a Thursday night football game. So because of the playmakers, the way they play, and then Seattle's defense still being horrible, hey, they, they controlled the ball and made enough plays, and it was a fun game. But, yes, Russell made mistakes, and he can't afford to with the way they play this year. The most glaring mistake when he throws across his body oh. into the
1: end zone. He sees Will Disley. He
2: didn't see the
1: defender. The defender had a chance to jump up and snag the ball. Again, that's the kind of thing where when you strip everything away – setting aside that Russell is the best thing they have by far and I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan I am I'm, I'm I, look I'm not trying to knock the guy but no. we have yeah, to no. call it like we see it right. that's a throw you don't make you shouldn't make that throw if you're Russell Wilson you need to see that that, that defensive player is there and he has a chance to jump up and get it and for whatever reason that was big. Russell Wilson didn't see him
2: yeah that was big because that was the moment where you know let's not forget prior to that Jamal Adams had just strip sacked Jared Goff So they had just got the ball back. They were down 17-10, being outplayed, and you go, man, there goes Seattle. One of their guys made a play, and here they are. Even though they're outplayed and everything like that, they're going to have a chance to tie the football game up. And I think the thing that jumped out to us while we watched it, you know, one, yeah, we're not used to him making those type of mistakes. The guy was open. He leaves the pocket a little bit, and he could have probably ran for 10 to 15 yards, if not a touchdown. I mean, I think we both agree with that right? He ran up there. There was nobody there. There was a guy about one person, 10 yards in front of him. And he decided to throw that out and up, like you said, along the sidelines. And then, uh, of course, Williams, I mean, unbelievable game by him altogether making that interception. But that was a big moment in the football game uh, where Seattle had a chance to kind of take back control of the momentum and control the game. And of course, they let that go. And uh, they've got to turn it around quickly now. After
1: losing two in a row, now six and three after that great start, uh, and and their 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 problems began when they when they faced the uh, Seattle Seahawks three weeks ago and lost that game thirty seven thirty four in prime time. That was when the bubble was burst, and since then they have not been a great yeah. team. And they get a chance to get on the right track. And we we've, we've talked about the Cardinals the Rams and the Seahawks the Cardinals and the Rams haven't played each other this year talk about a great finish they play each other twice between weeks 13 and week 17 which uh, is going to yeah. make for a a fascinating chase for the division title but you know who who's happiest of all the teams in the NFC by, about this it's the Green Bay Packers because the Packers don't have this. They, yeah, they play the Bears twice. yeah yeah they don't have this yeah right they, they don't they, they've got the clear path to division title and they can fatten up their record and they can watch the, the three teams in the NFC West continue to chew each other up it's amazing while the packers just sit back and say fine we're going to be the one seed yeah, we're, we're going to get the, the, the week struggle
2: off. against the jaguars they get yeah. to they're going to get the one seed i know it is it's yeah. it's, it's shaping and, up and right? it,
1: it makes it it makes it even more amazing that the 49ers emerged with the one seed last year when you consider how good those teams are in the NFC right? west Yeah, from seattle to san francisco last year to the rams and even the cardinals at five ten and one were a tough out last year the division's even better this year despite the fact that the 49ers have kind of faded out of contention. We're going to take a break. We'll talk about what happened to the 49ers against the Saints and what happened to Saints quarterback Drew Brees. Also, the Buccaneers are back, baby, after that embarrassment last Sunday night. We'll hit all that and more when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: Around any corner, within every battle, Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: One team wins, one team loses, and when you lose, you gotta figure out how to get back on track. So... No excuses. This team hasn't made any excuses all year. We just get to work and go back there and try to do better. Oh, they 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 did better. They got it together from three points last week to 46 at Carolina. It was a little sluggish at first. The Panthers scored first, which ran the cumulative score from two games to 45 to three, but the Buccaneers quickly woke up and they they dismantled the Carolina Panthers. Um, it, it was exactly what they needed. And, you know, the excuse was built in because they spent seven hours on the tarmac Saturday yeah, trying to get to Charlotte. They wow. had no meetings on Saturday night, went straight to bed. Ronald Jones told me when they, they got to Carolina, but, uh, yeah, they, 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 according to Jones, they watched the film and they threw it away, which I still don't quite understand. I don't know how you throw away everything. that's all digital, but the, I think it's the <laughs> point I I get, they know who you mean. Uh, but and and they made an agreement among themselves they were never going to have another performance like that and they they went in the other direction in a dramatic way and uh, yeah if if you're not capable of waking up your guys when you have that many talented players after getting embarrassed the way you did then yeah. then you have no chance no that's so right. they had to do what they did yesterday Chris
2: you're right and I mean we all thought they had the right leadership to turn that around after a, lo- a loss like that and everything there but they are so talented. And early on, you were kind of going like, like what you said, Mike. You're just going, man, this looks like the Bucks from last week. I don't know, are they going to be able to get this together? I mean, they were down 14 to seven. The Panthers moving the ball, but it was like, it was like Todd Bowles and the Buccaneers defense finally said, all right, enough, 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 enough. I've seen enough of this Saints passing system because the Carolina Panthers run the same system, pick us apart with these short passes, and it's like they started to pressure and blitz and get in the face of the Carolina football team. And the, the biggest thing, Mike, that I think you and I discussed a lot last week that we saw yesterday, the Buccaneers' offense got back to what made them 6-2 and two, you know, before they lost to the Saints and everything there, which was the double tight end sets and running the football, not getting so enamored with, you can't match up with all our receivers, we're going to get the shotgun and throw the football. We've seen Brady's been at his best when there is just a little semblance of a run game the play action pass being so effective or they keep that tight end to protect tight end to protect them and i think that's where you know we saw a lot of big plays 20 25 yard completions from them yesterday and i think it's because of that formula that that's effective for them
1: well and and the difference yesterday was they didn't fall into a 28 point hole like they that did too. against the saints so they didn't have to abandon the run But I think one of the pressure points between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady is that how often do we have Antonio Brown on the field? How often are we going to be in three and four receiver sets? Arians made it clear last week he wants to run the ball. And when you go from having a game where you generated the fewest rushing attempts in the 101 season history of the league and you turn it around like that and you put the tight ends back out on the field – you, you do what you have to do to play winning football. Right. That's the bottom line. And and I think to the extent that there was any argument or consternation or tension, Arians wins this one. And if Brady just wants to win games and if he wants to chase championship number seven, there's a point where you have to say, hey, Antonio, you know, you're, you're going to get your chances, but not nearly as many unless Mike Evans or Chris Godwin get injured. And then if they get injured, you're going to be on the field all the time. But they, they just can't. They can't get away from what fuels
2: the passing game and it's the running game it is it it it, it helps them and Brady's better when he does play action pass and sucks those linebackers up and makes big throws you know and you know Mike I think you're spot on like just the way this last eight days played out for them there's no more argument I don't think like Brady or anybody's going to go hey let's get in the shotgun and get three receivers you know I think the proof is in the pudding there you're 100% right and and even with Brady's good day yesterday, of 28, for 39, for 341, three touchdowns, all that, awesome, there was more there. Brady was a little off. and I don't I'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything, but we, we watched together, you know, producer Matt Casey, he was sitting next to me. There was some big throws down the field for wide open receivers. Oh, Antonio Brown wide right. open for a long touchdown. A wide open. There was he two or three of those. Right. There was two or three of those. So I think that, too, where Brady's going to go back and look and go, man, yeah, we, we really can know how to spread the, spread the field when we play this way, and we put teams in a tough spot. And uh, I, I just think it's their best way of playing football altogether. The Bucks look the best when they try to play through that run game, and that was impressive yesterday.
1: At one point, there was what appeared to be an awesome throw to Chris Godwin where he basically threw him open. And when you watch the highlight, I'm waiting for Peyton Manning to break it all down
2: and tell oh. us that Mike Evans was actually the intended receiver. That one, that this one, if if Manning breaks this one down, I think he might have a case. I think Manning was wrong the first time around, but yeah, you're right. There was like a third down throw to the right side. And I think he was throwing to the inside receiver in Mike Evans, but he missed the throw. And the outside receiver ended up catching it. Uh, so that you're right. That could be it. But they spread the ball around yesterday. I mean, we saw Gronk and Cameron Brate, And then, of course, even with those three guys at receiver not being on the field all the time at the same time, hey, there was still plenty to go around. And I think that's the kind of stat line, no matter which one of those receivers has those stats, they'll be able to walk away and go, we won. And I got the ball enough to where I'm cool. And let's keep going on. And you know, that that's uh that's fun. I'm sure everybody they had a fun plane ride home last night.
1: It brings me back to the point that I made when they signed Antonio Brown and we saw the details of the contract. Why are you tying incentives to his production because you're only setting the stage for him to get frustrated cuz he sees those limited opportunities as money that will never make its way into his bank account. You need to come up with team-based incentives, not individual-based incentives in order to keep Antonio Brown on the right track. Wait, wait, All right.
2: Uh, oh, I was just say where are we with the Bucks? Just to button it up. Like where are we, you know, because I, there's a Which game day to- is it? Well, I know, but that's as crazy, right? Because there we see a team like Carolina who's played everybody tough and they dominated them yesterday. Dominated. I mean, the Bucks didn't punt the ball. I mean, they dominated. So that's just where I get back into, like, man, when they play their best football, they're they're special, but it's just a little bit all over the place.
1: Well, they need the Saints to lose some games. Otherwise, they're going to have to do it the hard way yeah. and go on the road in the wild card round. They yeah. need to make up ground two games over the next seven weeks on the Saints, which is not easy, but maybe it will be easier if Drew Brees yeah. is unable to play. And, look, the the the, the Saints – already had the game in hand against the 49ers when Drew Brees exited. And there's some, I don't know, is it his shoulder? Is it his rib? What's really the injury? The team officially says it's ribs. Brees says it's an accumulative thing. He's been limited in practice the past couple of weeks with a shoulder problem. I mean, it's all the same general area all, of the exactly. body. Where does the shoulder end and the ribs begin? Right. The rib cage goes all the way up. Right, Doctor Florio says <laughs> that's. Hey, I didn't. I, I'm not a doctor, but I do know the rib cage goes all the way up. It does. Uh, so you know, the bottom line is he he wasn't able to go, and we know how Drew Brees is intense. He's a competitor. He's never going to give an inch he and and if he can't go he can't go uh and Jameis Winston did and now they've got to turn it around and get ready for the Falcons and and again Drew was already limited in practice I don't know that he's going to be ready for Sunday's game uh and uh it's it's going to create a fascinating discussion as the week unfolds as to who the quarterback will be but it was Jameis Winston for now and uh Chris, uh, here's let's let's hear from Sean Payton and Drew Brees on uh, whatever the injury is to the quarterback.
0: You know, he took a heavy shot in the first half. um, Came in uh, as he came out in the second half, he felt it was really impacting him. You know, so I'm not, you know, specifically he'll get a he'll get an MRI and X ray. His back felt sore as he tried to throw. He just came up to me and said, "Hey, I I don't feel like it's uh, I'm capable of, of." a plan, and so quickly we made the switch. I, I I was not going to be able to be effective. Um, it had nothing to do with pain. It was simply just what my body was going to be able to do or not be able to do.
1: Yeah, uh, Drew, Drew was not happy Yeah, that he was unable to finish the game, and to the extent that anyone out there thinks, oh, he's not tough or he couldn't deal with oh, it. baloney. You know, they weren't going to shoot it up. No, he can't. Whatever it is, that's why – I think some people believe it's more than ribs because Doctor Needle, as you like to call him, could yeah. make an appearance in the locker room right. and numb the rib area. There's something that's preventing or making it more difficult structurally yeah. to get his arm to do what it needs to do to throw the football accurately and with appropriate strength
2: on a regular basis. Come on, I mean Drew Brees. They don't they don't make him any tougher than Drew Brees. I mean, you know, you know, Sean Payton said. 15 years of coaching the guy I'd never heard him say I can't go so he when he said when he said that to Sean Payton Sean Payton was probably like, oh, okay I mean he you mean because that doesn't come out of his mouth and yeah I mean you're right Mike it's you know that's one of those things like uh, you hurt your shoulder this shoulder capsule the ribs there I don't care how much numbing you put when you throw it you could feel things aren't right And for a quarterback, any injury in that rib, shoulder, man, when you have to raise your arm to throw it, and of course the torque that you create to throw the ball and have that flexion in your arm can create incredible pain. I've only like pulled muscles in my ribs through my years of playing a quarterback and like was like, whoa, I got to take a few days off from throwing football, let alone having it beat up to maybe the extent he has had it there. So we're going to see, like you said, this has been an issue. And the Saints are, this is where, you know, we just talked about the Bucs where we're like, what day is it? The Saints are hard too. I mean, that wasn't good, great football by them yesterday. It was there to be had for the 49ers. I mean, it really was. The 49ers messed it up. There's no other way to say it. I mean, their special teams were horrible. They let up a long kick return when the Saints couldn't do anything on offense. You know, of course, the muff punts, they go for it in like fourth and one in the middle of the field. Can't get that. You know, the Saints were kind of sleepwalking, but the 49ers' mistakes kind of let them off the hook, and they found a way to win. But it's just like the Saints are confusing that way. Again, they're another team where I go, they got this potential to be the best team in the NFC, but they have these weeks where I just go, nah, they don't look great. I don't get it. And uh, that's where they're frustrating to me. And they're still holding on to first place in the NFC South
1: by a game plus the tiebreaker over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've got the Falcons this weekend. That is an intense rivalry. The Falcons have a week to get ready for it. The Falcons are better than the record would suggest. And here's the question. It's one thing to say game day when you've already got the plan involved. Taysom Hill already has his role for the game. It's one thing to say if Drew gets injured, we're making Jameis Winston the quarterback because Taysom Hill is still going to do Taysom Hill things and they've already planned it and prepared it and practiced it. If they know this week, that Drew can't go? Is Taysom Hill the quarterback or is it Jameis Winston? And, And that's an important question because last year when Drew Brees missed five games with a thumb injury, Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback, but Teddy Bridgewater was always listed at number two last year over Taysom Hill. Hill was three, Bridgewater was two. This year on the unofficial depth chart they always like to say it's unofficial because they don't want anyone to take it seriously even though they create it and they put it on their website and they profit from all the clicks that people generate by going to see what the depth chart is Taysom Hill is number two this year Winston is number three so it really does make me wonder if you have a whole week to get a game plan ready you know you always want to put your best guys on the field and all due respect to Jameis Winston Taysom Hill is a better quarterback right now than Jameis Winston yeah I I think well I don't
2: know what you think but I'd
1: go with Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston it it,
2: it it that's a tough one. It is, you know, because we haven't had a we've never seen Taysom Hill play a full game quarterback. I don't really know. I mean, the skill set is there to where I go. I'm with you, Mike. I go. It's special some of the things he can do, you know. But Jameis Winston, you know, let's not forget. And I know we've heard this from coaches, you know, and in, in you know our NFL world, he does some special damn things too. Now he's done some special dumb things as well, as far as interceptions and that. But I I, I don't know, Mike, where you go here. You know, I would like, to. you know, w- w- what we saw last year too is when Teddy Bridgewater came in, it took the Taysom Hill part of the offense away too because now he had to become the backup quarterback and they were scared to let him run quarterback design runs or do things like that to where, yeah, if Bridgewater got hurt, now we don't have another quarterback. So I would think they follow the same formula, letting Jameis Winston be the guy and he be the backup, but I, I don't know. I, d- I don't know what-, what their thought will be here. One more thing
1: before we take a break, and yeah. this relates to Bridgewater, who was the backup last year and now is the starter in Carolina. They took him for an MRI last night on a right knee injury. Not the knee that was devastated in 2016, but he took a low hit. It didn't look good. Um, and and usually the MRI is the next day. I thought it was odd that they did the MRI last night. And here's what's even more odd. Crickets regarding the results of the MRI. Yeah, that's a little Crickets. weird. And I look at how Matt Rule has handled things so far. He understands the strategic value of silence, like Christian McCaffrey. He's day-to-day, and then he misses the game this week. And after the game, Rule said he didn't have any update on Teddy Bridgewater. I think they understand to say as little as possible because, you know, if they're going to be out there maybe trying to negotiate with some free agent quarterback, I don't know who's even available right now. But whatever move you're going to try to make, uh, if, if no one knows how desperate you are to get another quarterback on the roster, then the negotiation goes more smoothly for your interest. So it just, it just makes me wonder the fact that we haven't heard all as well. We heard ahead of time they don't think it's any big deal. Okay, fine, why are you doing the MRI tonight then, and why haven't we heard anything about the results of the MRI? So it's just one of those 20 years of doing this, you've seen everything multiple times over. This is one where I'm kind of like, hmm, Something's going on. Yeah, here. All right, we're going to take a break. going to return, something was going on in New England last night. A lot of things were going on. It was wind. It, it was it was wind. It was rain, and it was the Patriots. They're not dead yet. Uh, they're not. No. Out there. Every time we think we, the Terminator is not dead yet. More PFT live coming at you right
0: now. We'll be back. <laughs>
2: off, you know, don't nobody like losing. Um, I know none of you guys would like losing,
1: you know, Um, especially when we know we got a lot of talent on our team. Um, We just got to recruit, you know. Tuesday, we go watch film on our opponents on Tennessee, and we're going to build from there. You know, every team that had a great season that follows it up with a not-as-great season has that moment where they end up with more losses than they had the prior year, and that's what happened to the Ravens last night. 14-2 and is not happening again. Baltimore the best they can do now is 13 and 3 by virtue of the third loss that they took last night against a team they dominated last year Chris when the Patriots were eight and oh this time around the Patriots never let Baltimore get moving always found a way to answer always found a way to do something pulled out the bag of tricks yep. with the Jacoby Myers throw to Rex Burkhead and uh, just constantly, constantly and the, the, the weather didn't help, but hey, the weather is what it is, baby. Uh, yeah. you, you, get, you get rain, you get wind, you get all sorts of stuff when you play football in November and December. But Baltimore was leery, and, and, and uh, they, had, they had good
2: reason to be leery of the New England Patriots. Oh, definitely. Well, it, you know, Bill Belichick, I mean, first off, and then Cam Newton, what he's doing, and just the offense. I mean, first off, Bill Belichick got a chance to see that offense last year. Yeah, they defended it better this year. They didn't let Lamar Jackson and company run wild on them, certainly. We saw Baltimore be very sloppy and do things that we normally don't see them do. So, that was a big issue. And then I think ultimately, I mean, the New England run game, it 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 did to Baltimore what most people, you know, see see the effects of Baltimore's offense. I mean, they smash mouth Baltimore. And I didn't think they were, I knew they were a good running team. But I didn't think they were capable of that. And that was really impressive.
1: Yeah. And, and it was just that sense that this, you, you know, it happens. How many Sunday nights is it going to happen where the better team, the better team yeah. ends up losing? I guess that makes for an exciting slate of games. It makes it impossible to figure out with any degree of, of certainty who's going to win. You know, you know, it's going to happen again this Sunday night. We're all going to pick the Chiefs. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, Tariko will probably take the Raiders, and the Raiders will probably win. That's just I kind mean, of the I, way it's gone this I, year. It,
2: I know. He's done that twice to us, where he picked the Cardinals because he just wanted to pick them because we all picked Seattle. And then he does that last night. He didn't even believe it. And then he's we're going to oh. get made fun of. I know. Full hour of PFT Live still to come.